0: All right, if you'll get your Bibles out, we're in Genesis chapter 6 today as we work our way through. I asked last night most services, so I will ask you as well. We have two choices today. Uh, I can lie to you, make you all feel good about yourself, and send you home on your way to hell. Or I can tell you the truth, maybe hurt your feelings a little bit, and open the door to heaven. You want the truth or you want to lie? All right, all right. So just buckle in. Because if I miss somebody last week, I'll pick you up uh this week. Uh some of you have questioned my stories, which I find, you know, a little hard to understand. You think all my stories aren't true. So when I do tell a true story, it really throws some of you off. And somebody asked me the other day, Do you really have a bulldog? And the answer is yes. This is this is Walter J. Dog. And um Walter is a a rescue, he's a bull mastiff, he weighs 90 pounds, um, and this is Walter at full speed. Alright, if Walter, this is Walter loaded on amphetamines, I mean he is, this is Walter going all out. Most of the time Walter lays on the floor, you trip over him, the little vacuum thing that runs around, he doesn't move, it goes up to him, bounces off of him. Yeah. But he made a mistake this week. He was laid in the wrong place. He got out in the road. Truck ran over his tail. He lost about, I don't know, two and a half inches of his tail. Fortunately, we live right next to Walmart, right behind Walmart. So I rushed him up to Walmart. (laughs) Largest retailer in the world. He is my dog. He really is my dog. All right, so in Genesis 6, we get into the story of Noah. Genesis 6, 7, 8, and 9, and we're gonna spend a lot of time there. Other than the crucifixion, this is the crucial event in biblical history, in world history. And this is the story that's most maligned by non Christians and even by churches. Pastors don't believe in Noah's flood. They don't believe in any of this. It's all baloney. The problem is, Peter talks about it. Paul talks about it. Jesus says this in, in John or Matthew 17, 26 and 27. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Did Jesus believe in Noah? As it was in the days of Noah. All right? Well, what was it like in the days of Noah? Well, let me tell you why God brought judgment on the earth. It was lawlessness. There everybody did whatever they wanted to do. It was vicious, it was murdering, it was killing. The sexual stuff is um we our culture if it's possible makes that one look good. Because it was everybody and everybody with everything and it is a It is a a horrible, horrible thing. And they had 100% rejected God. That's the world that Noah's preaching to. Now, I want you to imagine Noah. Because it tells us that Noah preached while the boat's being built. Noah preaches for 120 years. Peter tells us that. And who's he preaching to? He's not me preaching to you. This is all Noah's family. It's Noah's brothers, his sisters. His cousins, his uncles, his aunts, they're all family. And nobody listens. Now, what's interesting, again, when you look at flood legends, and you're welcome to Google this, um, around the world, I think there's over 200 different civilizations that have flood legends. All right, Aztecs, Incas, Chinese, Japanese, Cherokee Indians all over the globe and it's always the same story. It goes something like this. There was a global flood that wiped out everything. There was one good family and they were on a boat. Sometimes the shape of the boat changes and there were eight people that were saved. Every culture has a flood legend. What are the odds of that? What are the odds of that happening? And then Jesus refers to it. We see this everywhere. But yet, this is the story that gets most pushback. Because if this story is true, then we know not only is God's word true, but God judges sin very severely. Now we know why Jesus came. Does that make sense to everybody? All right. So if you'll stand out of respect for God's word, we're going to take a look at Genesis chapter 6 and kind of get a flow I don't have time to go into all this because this is a lifetime study there were giants on the earth at that time. Uh, there were Nephilim. Uh, there were angels that were having sexual relations with women and they're creating these monster people. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. You're welcome to dig into that on your own. If you want to have coffee, we'll talk about it better in time for all that today. So just, we're going to go with the bear story. <clears throat> when men began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. And they married any of them they chose. And that's a real big picture right there of sexuality. Then the Lord said, because whatever that was in that statement, here's God's reaction to it. My spirit will not contend with man forever because man is mortal. God's, God's angry. His days will be 120. See, up until this time, everybody's living eight, 900 years. Adam lives 930 years. Methuselah 969. We've got all these long numbers. But because of the sin, God says, we're going to put an end to this. After the flood, the number goes down to 120. And then David tells us later that the number will be 80. Welcome to our world, okay? The Nephilim, the giants, the spirit angels were on the earth in those days and also afterwards when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and they had children by them and they were the heroes of old. They were men of renown. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every, check this out, Every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Wow. The Lord was grieved. The Lord was angry that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I've created from the face of the earth, men and animals. And creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air. For I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Listen to this. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless among the people of his time. And he walked with God. We've heard that before. Noah had three sons. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. We skip down to verse 22. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. All right, you can be seated. So he starts off by leaping right into this story about man's wickedness. And man's wickedness always starts with people turning their back on God and on his word. Listen to this quote. Alright, this, this we talked about it a little bit last week. Beware of theologians and pastors who cast a shadow of doubt upon Genesis and the historical Adam in Genesis. Once you deny the first Adam, you're on your way to rejecting the last Adam who is Jesus. How does this happen? A faulty hermeneutic, it means understanding. A faulty understanding of Genesis leads to a faulty understanding of the gospel, which leads to a faulty understanding of Jesus. And that's where we find ourselves in culture today. When you have churches, 50% of American churches do not believe in the Old Testament, do not believe in the Genesis story, they may not even believe in Jesus. It's so, it's so ridiculous. But don't be surprised. See, the world, <clears throat> the world has this idea that we are all born good. Well, the Bible says just the opposite. In <clears throat> Psalm 51, it says that you and I were conceived in sin. Now, it's not that I'm guilty of Adam's sin, but I did inherit Adam's nature. I had plenty of sin on my own. How about you? I didn't need Adam's help. All right. The problem today when you're talking to Gen Z is helping them understand that they're sinners. See, nobody had to convince me of that. By the time I was 14, I had a PhD in sin. All right. That was, that was not, that was not difficult. But today's world, they have been brought up to believe you're good. Oh, honey, you're wonderful. Two plus two 16. Oh, but you, you are brilliant. And, when you grow up like that, you, but you think that you're good. Now, here, I'm just gonna this is gonna sound mocking, but it's actually true. If you talk to people, and I'll pick on Hollywood because I don't care. If you talk on people in Hollywood and you say, <clears throat> Are you gonna go to heaven? Oh, yeah, I'll go to heaven. Why? Because I'm good. Push down on them. You push down, this is the answer they will get. How are you good? This is the answer you will hear more than any other if you just listen. I recycle. So the fact that you're sleeping with three different animals and 16 different people, you steal, you lie. Uh, Go by the Ten Commandments. Have you ever lied? Anybody here ever lied? Oh, you're going to hell. You're out. And you're going to stand before an all-holy God and say, Hey, I only committed adultery 315 times. I'm good because I recycle. Are you with me? See, this is why Jesus came. Because you're not good. I'm not good. And it's two things. Number one, it lets us know why we needed to accept Jesus as our Savior. But the second part of that, we can never get haughty. Because we're all saved by the same blood. Now, hopefully we're becoming more like Jesus. We're not where we got into the pool, but we can never think, man, I'm glad I'm not like that guy. No, we were that guy. And that's why Jesus came and rescued us. Let me tell you how I became a Christian. One night, I'm 14, 15 years old. And my friend Eddie, he and I were, who knows what we were doing, but we were laying on the the trunk of his father's 1976 osmobile it's about the size of this room and um <clears throat> and eddie had the courage to do for me what nobody else had ever done we're looking up at the stars because he didn't, he could have never looked at me and done this and basically said joe you're a mess well nobody needed to tell me that and he said i want to tell you about jesus and a fourteen-year-old friend to another fourteen-year-old friend shared that story and I'm like are you you serious I mean again I knew I was guilty you telling me I can I can be saved it blew me away I knew I was wicked but here this story two weeks later I accepted Christ and I was baptized at his father's little church out in the country that's where my story started When somebody told me there was actually hope for my wickedness, Paul says it this way in Romans 3. He says, all have turned away from God. They have altogether become, what? Worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. Let me give you some stories. This is all from this week. There's a 16-year-old boy, chose not to use his picture, but a 16-year-old boy in Canada who got thrown out of his Catholic school. Here's his Catholic school. He got thrown out because he made a statement about LGBTQ plus R, whatever, okay? He got suspended. After his suspension, he came back to school, and they told him that he was no longer welcome at the school, that he had been permanently banned from the institution. Oh, my, would I love to be this kid's lawyer. But... This is the 16-year-old kid's quote. He said, I got thrown out of a Catholic school for quoting Catholic doctrine. He's exactly right. He's exactly right. The Church of England is meeting right now. The Church of England is John Wesley. The guy that evangelized half of the east coast of the United States. Planted churches all over the world. The church of John Wesley's meeting right now to strip away the word father from God so that God may be addressed as father or mother or horse or whatever else you would like to address God as. What you do with the Lord's prayer, our father in heaven, I guess you just make it whatever you want it to be. Wicked, wicked, my friends. There's another lady. There's no other word for her. This is a woke preacher. Uh, I want to get her quote right because i got to pull it all apart. She's wrong on every conceivable level. She is a lesbian. She's preaching. There's a whole lot of things wrong with that story. Uh, but she said the one thing that has to happen in the American church, and I quote, we have to flee white gods of straightness and certainty. All right, let's take it all apart, shall we? certainty. So she doesn't believe the Bible. So she doesn't believe in Jesus. She doesn't believe in his grace. She doesn't believe that you're saved by grace through faith. So she's just doing a religious event. All right. It's just some kind of a club that she's created. All right. Straightness. The fact that we would stand for male and female when the Bible's very clear. We've been through all these passages in Romans 1 and, and Genesis 19. We've talked about all this stuff before and we'll, we'll get there again. But here's the one that really got me the white gods. So I did some thinking, all right? This is free. I thought just for you. I, uh, I sat down and I worked through the Bible. And I went from Genesis all the way to Acts 16 before I ever found a white person. What color was Adam? I told you this last week. He was red. Eve, red. Okay. Uh, Jesus, right? Fred, Fred's out there. He's from Minnesota. He's Scandinavian. Jesus did not look anything like Fred. He had dark skin, dark hair, dark eyes. You were seeing body from the Middle East. Samson, probably black. Elijah, probably black. The first white person you get to in the Bible is a lady named Lydia in Acts 16 who's the first European to accept Christ. White God, really? I thought Jesus died for everybody. Jesus not looking at color because he made all of us. That Again, that's the benefit of, of understanding creation, that we are all divinely created Our talents, our abilities, our looks, our height, everything we got is a gift from God, whatever we look like. That's insane. This stuff passes for preaching. It's called wickedness by God. The truth is, Jesus died on a cross. Regardless of who you are, where you are, what color you are, what you do for a living, you and I need to accept Jesus Christ to have our wickedness forgiven and to be transferred into his grace. That's the point of the gospel right there. But what's the result of this? Well, the result is that God gets very ticked. All right? Well, you know, know, and again, in these woke churches, God just loves you. God just loves you. God just... God does love you, okay? But God is also having... Has another characteristic. Does anybody know what it is? Justice. 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 And he believes very much in his own word. Now... God is love and in his love, Noah and his family were saved. In his justice, the rest of the world died. When people are, I can't believe God would be so horrible. Maybe it wasn't God being so horrible, maybe it was the people being so horrible. Did you ever give that thought? God brought judgment. it's not the only place. How about Sodom and Gomorrah? Alright Sodom and Gomorrah All this sexual perversion going on God sends fire and brimstone from heaven The thing that God sent fire and brimstone from heaven We now put on the Grammys And we celebrate it As if it's a wonderful thing Let me show you Just so you have any doubt Sodom and Gomorrah And all the cities that are destroyed There's actually I think Seven cities all together That get destroyed um, It's down at the south end of the Dead Sea You can go there today and this guy is holding, looks like a rock, doesn't it? It's a piece of sulfur. It's the only place in the world where you will find this. It's, sulfur would be translated brimstone. What he's holding is 90 per, 98% sulfur. If you hold that up and light a lighter, that will just sit there and burn like a lamp. Because it's 90 per, 98% sulfur. Sulfur. You want to know if God brought judgment on that land? Yes. And for the very thing that God brought judgment, we now celebrate. And somehow we think that we can walk around God's wickedness. No, the only response to man's wickedness and God's anger is us to repent. For us to say, I'm wrong. I'm wrong, and it's not just one or two of these areas. Every one of us has something where we, we think we're all that, and we've gotta back up and say, well, what does God say about this? And that's where we have to react. Deuteronomy chapter 31. On that day, God said, I will become angry with them, and I will forsake them. Wow. There's all kinds of passages like that in the Bible, and they're always related to the same thing. They're always related to the fact when God's people turn their back on his word. When they say, I know what it says, but I'm going to live like this. Now God doesn't expect anything from people in the world. Because people in the world are going to live how they're going to live till we get them to Jesus. It's in the church. It's people that claim to be Christians. We're the ones that God gets upset about because we're people of the word. We're people that are supposed to know what it says, therefore we're supposed to live it. So the question is, are you living a life right now that's got God ticked? Does God love you? Yes. Is God just? Yes. Are there things in your life that you know you've angered God? I'd go home and deal with that. I'd go home and and do business. But you know, so often, people are just afraid. There are people afraid to talk about this stuff. And I I have three heroes that I don't talk to you about very much. But uh, we we have those three boys. There they are. Uh, I don't know if you still watch them, but when life gets tense, I go back. Uh, Three Jewish boys from Brooklyn, whose parents came from Lithuania... Uh, They got out of Lithuania just as the Nazis were coming and destroying all the Jews. Millions of Jews were killed in Lithuania and the other Baltic states too. That really doesn't even get counted in the mass slaughter uh, of the Jews. Over a million Lithuanian Jews died too. But Hollywood was afraid. Hollywood was afraid they would upset Hitler. Now think about that. We're in a world war. The truth is probably a lot of them were on Hitler's side, but we won't go into that right now. But these three guys said, we don't care. We're going to stick it in his ear and we're going to make a propaganda piece that makes America look great. So you got Curly as Mussolini, you got Mo as Hitler, and you got Larry as Tojo in Japan. And they make fun of them and show how America is going to crush this evil. It took comedians. To make a stand. Not the politicians. Isn't that interesting? All right. And listen. You can't expect anybody else to take the stand. The stand's got to come from the church. And we get to the last part. This is the good part. It's Noah. And I memorized Genesis 6.22. One of the first verses I memorized years ago. That Noah did everything God commanded him. Because it floored me. It floored me. I was like every day trying to get one thing right in my life. And probably tomorrow, I'd mess that up and look for one other thing to try to get right. And I'd read that Noah did everything God commanded him to do. Man, there's something to shoot for. But God only needed that boat once. What's he asking from you? What's he asking from me? See, it's hard, isn't it? I'm the only Christian in school. I'm the only Christian uh, at my teaching group. I'm the only... Uh, Christian at work, and only Christian maybe in my family. How about this? Noah is the only God believer on the planet. And he's got to live it alone. And all he's got is the fact that God talked to him and God told him to build this gigantic boat. Thanks, God. And Noah hangs on to that one story. And Noah is willing to hang himself out there and stand firm. And he begs people to get on the boat with him. They won't. Only, only his own immediate family is going to get on the boat. But Noah was righteous. This kills me. All right, because what's he talked about? Evil, wickedness, lawlessness, sexual perversion. The thoughts and the deeds and the actions of all people were always evil, all the time. Next sentence: Noah was righteous. Noah did not let what the world was doing impact him. In fact, the root word of righteous is right. So Noah did right. So the whole world's telling Noah, you're a nutcase. You're crazy for living this way. Why don't you live like us and enjoy life? And Jesus said they were eating and drinking and marrying. And the parting was going on right up until they closed the door of the ark. And he said that's how it will be at the second coming of Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus, now would be a great time. Or maybe you know him, but you've not accepted him. If you're online, you hit that button, I've decided. People will follow up. If you're in the room, you come down front. People will be here to talk to you, to pray with you, to answer your questions. Ironically, First Peter chapter 3, I think it's 21, Peter says this. Just like the waters saved Noah and his family, so does your faith in Jesus and being baptized save you. 1 Peter 3.21, look it up. So it's the water lifted him up. The water now washes sin away from us, but it is the same imagery that God is using all through history. Let me finish with this. Here's Jesus' words. We'll use Jesus and then Tim, Tim Tebow to finish, okay? Jesus said, if you love me, what will we do? Obey what he commands. Noah did everything God commanded him to do. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Tim Tebow summed it up in our culture. He said, never forget that whatever you do, your main audience is God. It's never other people. Father, I pray as we sort out a very difficult passage and that we're honest with ourselves. Our biggest challenge besides accepting you, Jesus, and I know there's people in here that need to do that. But besides that is us being willing to be the Noah, to be the righteous that will stand out amongst the wicked, that will never give up trying to get somebody else on the boat because we do know how the story ends. So, Father, I'm asking for you to work, for your spirit to move, whether people are at home, they're in their car, they're sitting here in front of me, they're going to watch this later. God, what is it that you need us to do? You don't need another boat, but what is it you need from us? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.